My name is Tiffany Perry, and we are here today with my parents, Marilyn and Terry Hill, and they just got back a couple weeks ago from their mission, and can you tell us where your mission was at? It was at the, uh, the San Juan Islands uh, off the coast of Washington, so it's part of Washington State. Our mission was actually the Everett Mission. Okay, the Everett Mission, and you were called as um, Member Support Missionaries? Is that what it's yes. called? Member and Leader Support. Yeah, MLS. MLS. <clears throat> okay, and you were located in Anacortes, but you went out and served uh, the islands in the area and the branches on those islands. Yes, there were three branches. One, the largest was in Friday Harbor on San Juan Island. The second largest was in East Sound on Orcas Island. And then the smallest branch was on Lopez Island. That was very small. And we also went to a, an island that was very close to Anacortes. It was just an eight-minute ferry ride where the other ones were more like... Um, 40 minutes 40 to, to an, an hour. And yeah. So the eight-minute one, they actually were Anacortes Ward, but they didn't want the missionaries. This mission president didn't have the missionaries go on the ferries. So we went to Guamas also and visited the people there that were in the Anacortes Ward. There were about four people out on, <clears throat> four to five people out on Guamas Island that were members. Awesome. Um and you mentioned the ferry. Can you explain what the ferry is and other parts of your, how did you get around during your mission? So the ferry, um, it was very expensive to take your car, <laughs> which we found. So um, like one ride, say, to Friday Harbor would be $80 to take you that was round trip but we could buy four of uh, five rides for um 50 so we during the winter we had to pay like 200 dollars every five weeks uh just for friday harbor and then there were the other ones that we went to too <laughs> so it was quite expensive so we decided that we would ride our bikes um, as much as we could. And last summer we rode our bikes uh, quite a bit. Uh, but we would get on these big ferries that would take 150 cars and uh, 300 people. And sometimes during the winter, we there were four cars, and we had the top all to ourselves in that great big ferry. <laughs> so that was cool. Do you want to add to that? Um, another reason we rode our bikes is um, sometimes it was hard to get on the ferry uh, because of a lot of people uh, wanting to get on, so you'd have to wait a long time. You could make reservations, but um, you had to make reservations either a third of them two were reserved two months ahead, a third two weeks ahead and then a third two days ahead. So typically we would know, you know, we were pretty sure what we would be doing uh, for the week, so we could get the reservation two days ahead. 
but <clears throat> it was uh, uh, Lopez Island. You couldn't make reservations to return, so sometimes we'd have to wait two or three hours in line there to come back. So just, but as with bicycles, we could get on with. You didn't have to. Uh, you didn't have to have a reservation, and it, and there was only one day when we ever nearly didn't get on because there were too many people on the ferry, and that was coming back from Friday Harbor on the Fourth of July. <laughs> so, but, so yeah, uh, we almost didn't. We were not able to even walk on, but we we made it that yeah, day. We did, but we also we were called to be MLS, but because. Um, they did not want the younger missionaries to be riding the ferries all the time and such because the ferries were very fickle. Sometimes they'd be canceled. Sometimes we wouldn't get home until 2 or 3 in the morning because of the ferries having problems or something. So they had decided not to have the younger missionaries. So that meant that we needed to be everything. We were not just MLS. We were proselyting. We were whatever was needed. And um, so that was another reason to ride our bikes, because it's very hard to go knocking on doors. For one, it was COVID, and people were hesitant. For another one is the islands, your way, the you're back in almost these backwoods, and people would look at you really weird if you went and knocked on their door and they didn't know you. So riding our bikes, just really, we would talk to so many people on the ferry because there were a lot of people riding bikes, but just we just would talk to people as we rode along, even on the side of the road. Um, they'd stop and talk to us. And, and you know, the fact that we were riding bikes, I think they took a little more time with us because we were putting so much effort. <laughs> so, so yeah, there was a lot of reasons to ride a bike. Um, and it was last summer we did it all, just regular bikes. We actually ordered... Um, a battery for our bikes at the end of July because we felt like we couldn't get enough places fast enough because I was walking a lot of hills. But um, those uh, batteries didn't come in until November when it was raining and we couldn't ride bikes anywhere. So we only had bikes for two months of our mission. Otherwise, we had regular bikes. We had powered bikes the motor for, two, for two months yeah for two months yeah yeah and we you know we were <clears throat> we stood out more when we were biking uh because people could see you if you're driving in your car they can't really see your badge they can't see you know that you're missionaries yeah you just rode around and did nothing <clears throat> so this way we talked to everybody mm -hmm. and so we <coughs> excuse me we were on the ferry and of course, Elder Hill had his white shirt and tie and uh, <laughs> kind of some slacks. And I had I had just pants, and but a nice shirt and, and sweater. But um, the men that were riding bikes, they're just like, you're the best dressed biker we've ever seen. <laughs> they're like, do not let my wife see you because she will want us to, drive, to <laughs> dress like that. <laughs> So it was fun. <laughs> One person did say he had a spandex biking outfit that looked like a tuxedo. He actually had it on. <laughs> oh, he, he had it on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah so. Dad thought he had a tuxedo on. 
<laughs> well, it was just a shirt with the tuxedo on oh, the front. Oh, got it. <laughs> but yeah, we met a lot of people biking, and it, it was very fun. It was also a stress relief for us because missions can be kind of stressful. But biking it off every day was a lot easier than in the winter when we couldn't bike and it was raining so much and we were just riding in our car. We found that we were a lot more stressed. So, so I, oh, go ahead. We did spend, I mean, part of the reason we were able to talk to people biking is because you go to the ferry and you do have to wait in line for usually 20, at least 20 minutes or something. And so you talk to the other people waiting in line and so on. So, so that gave us a lot of chance, (coughs) excuse me, to talk to people. That's awesome. So, before you went on your mission, you had a calling in the MTC as a counselor in the um, a branch there. Um, and I was just wondering if you felt like that prepared you for this opportunity to go on a mission. That's a good thought. I I feel like it did somewhat, but I I understood a lot more what they were going to go through after I went on a mission. But <laughs> so you're like ready now to go back to the MTC and actually <laughs> like tell them yeah, <laughs> this is exactly. what you need to know. <laughs> exactly. How did I, you I feel? do think it helped us to um, just be more familiar with the missionary lessons and things like that. So I think that helped a lot. And to get to know the missionaries because we felt pretty comfortable with our district and things because we had been at the MTC. So that helped too. Yeah. It was one of the things the mission president asked us to be sure we did. And that was to make sure we attended the district council meeting, which was each week uh, with the young missionaries in our district. And also to attend the zone conferences with the missionaries. He said that they had a mission devotional every week. Um, I don't know if that was typical or something they did because of COVID and they tried to provide more opportunities to kind of build up the missionaries. But they had a devotional that was on Zoom. He attended on Zoom. And that, he said, was, you know, that was okay if we missed, but he wanted us to make sure we did the in-person meetings for zone conference and district council. And we, we, we enjoyed the devotionals too, but usually we were in line or getting on the ferry or off the ferry or, and on the ferry, there were some dead spots where we didn't get connectivity. So we weren't able to, you know, we, we participated when we could, but we weren't able to do the mission devotional as consistently. So because of how long it took on the ferry, we pretty much couldn't do anything else but go to the islands. So on Wednesday when we had district meeting, that's when we would go to Guemas at least once a month at night because it was an eight-minute ferry ride and we could make it. Otherwise, there's just no way we could go out to an island and go to a a zone conference or to the district because it just took too long. We, we were asked initially, I mean, we were told <clears throat> they wanted us to focus on the branches, but we could help with the wards in Anacortes as well. Um, and so we started out trying to go to uh, one Sunday, go to the Anacortes wards, and there were three 
wards, including a young single adult ward there. So we would go to the three meetings and then, we, but we could only go to one of the branches on the other Sundays because there wasn't time to go between islands and, and get there for their branch meetings. But we found that, and, and then when you throw in state conference and general conference, it would be, <clears throat> um, sometimes it was five weeks before we got back to the same branch and it just seemed too long to really get to know them and, and be effective. So we made the decision to just focus on the branches then. And we, and, you know, the Anacortes wards had the young missionaries assigned to their wards. And so we, we decided just to cycle between the three branches. And so we could be there at least once a month, even when there was state conference or general conference. And, uh, and typically every third week, which still was hard because we didn't, you know, we, we just weren't there as, as, re as often, but it, but it worked. They'd always tease us. The yeah. inactive missionaries are here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have one lady in Anacortes that we, she was going through a very hard divorce and um, had some uh, kind of, she'd go on these, she couldn't sleep. You know, she'd get, I guess they call it bipolar or something. But so we had met her before we made the decision not to do anacortis. And so we continued to, all we could think of was help her exercise because it helped us with stress. So um, we went biking with her on Monday morning, on Wednesday mornings, and then we'd go to district meeting. Um, uh, quite a few of the Wednesdays, once in a while she'd miss, but, but we would bike with her on Wednesday mornings when we had district meeting and she got to where she would take her kids on bike rides and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. she was bad enough off that she did um, end up in the hospital a couple of times, but, um, but yeah, I, th I think it helped her to bike. She actually was going to come see us the other day, but somehow didn't, we didn't connect. So, but hopefully she's doing good. And we did visit the members of the Anacortes Ward that were on Guaymas Island. Yeah. So, thinking back to the very beginning of your mission, you're called here, you find, you get in your apartment, and where you're going to stay and trying to figure out the ferries and travel and stuff. How did you get started in the work? What did you do to start to get to know people? Yeah. yeah, we uh, took the ferry out to. <clears throat> I can't remember if we went to Lopez first or Orcas first. I think Orcas. I think it was or I Lopez. Know, I think it was Lopez. So we went out to Lopez, which was the closer island, on our bicycles, and we bicycled out to the branch. We we emailed the branch presidents, maybe texted. I think we'd heard back from one of them. But, but we hadn't heard back from them. And so we were trying to find out who they wanted us to visit particularly and work with and so on. So we just biked to President to Walker's Lopez. house. 
Yeah, we went to Lopez first. He lived on the opposite end of the island from where the the ferry was, and we had so just started biking, so was that like was twelve miles 12 out, bike ride. and twelve <laughs> miles back. <laughs> but um, plus, it was three there and back from Anacort, our apartment uh, from to our the apartments. Ferry. <laughs> so yeah, you added that on the end too. It was a thirty mile day, <laughs> <laughs> but we went out there, and I can remember uh, Sister Walker just. She was sitting in her chair, and we came and knocked on the door, and she's just like, what? <laughs> she couldn't believe that they hadn't, because I guess they didn't think they had missionaries for a while, and for us to bike up to our house and stuff, but they became very good friends. They were wonderful. The branch actually met at their house. Yeah, that they held for church Sunday at their services. house. But now it's in the Port Stanley School. But yeah, the walkers were great. In fact, when they they went to um, St. George in the winter, and so they they let us stay at their house anytime we needed to. And Lopez, um, while they were gone to St. George, we'd just go be in their house and and stay overnight and such because sometimes it was very hard to go to an evening something at the branches and catch a ferry we just couldn't do it so we'd stay overnight also we did, uh, we did go to one evening event on san juan island <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> we we were visiting a uh, one of our friends that sang <laughs> and he sang in a, a group and they were going to sing at the fairgrounds with this you know several of the singing groups and uh but it was at you know seven o'clock at night or something and we usually had to catch the ferry like it by six o'clock or so to get back to Anacortes uh, before, you know, otherwise it was way late. So, <clears throat> but we decided we were going to support Paul. And so we went to this uh, event. It, we, we go and it's just a really windy, blustery day, <laughs> evening at the fairground. They had this tent where they would, have the stage, the acts, and then they'd come out and sing and so on. And they were all having to hold on to these tents so they didn't blow away. <laughs> In between, whoever wasn't singing was hanging on to the tent. Anyway, so we go to the event, and and, uh, and then we take the ferry home, and we get home like at midnight, midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, I think, because the last ferry goes to all the islands. It's a two-hour ferry ride oh, <laughs> to wow. get back. Anyway, so... We get home at one o'clock, and then to get back to church the next morning, which we were going to San Juan Island for, we had to catch the ferry at five thirty in the morning. So we had to get up at, well, I think you got up at three thirty. So you could, anyway, we were so dead that day. We'd go visit people it in the afternoon. Really <laughs> We'd fall asleep on their couch. On their couch. <laughs> We were talking to them. We're asleep on their couch. So we decided that wasn't a good idea. It wasn't going to work. And it was a little, it was a little too bad because like with like two weeks later or three weeks later, when we were back on San Juan Island, the, uh, there was a lady we were visiting, uh, who was, who was uh, not act, but, uh, We'd visited her, and she was an artist on the island, and we'd visited her in her studio. Well, we're biking, and we're really biking fast to try to get to the ferry so we don't miss it. And this lady sees this us. This was another night. Another night. And she waves us down, and we go 
to talk to her and she says, I'm doing a show right. I'm, I'm doing an art show at the studio right now. Be great if you could come, you know, and, I, and we're, we're just, just like, like oh. you know, torn. We would love to do this, but we know what happens when we, we do. We couldn't live on three hours sleep again. It wasn't. So we said, okay, if we miss the ferry, we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we 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 bite down to the ferry, and I, I just, think we were the last people yeah, on the ferry, like, phew, last ones the to get on. I mean, we barely made it, and uh, but it was too bad because she. I, I would have helped if we'd been able to go to her show. I think. Yeah, we were thinking she'd have another one soon, but yeah, it was only once in a long while. So maybe we should have done three hours again. Maybe. <laughs> We'll just have to go back. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. But and so when we went to Orcus, so we met, we got the list of all the people they didn't know on Lopez, which wasn't as much, but you know, Lopez, um, it was great. So we could find people. Then the next day we went to Orcus. And we got off on Orcus. We're biking Orcus. Orcus is up and down hills. And we find, we go out into the woods. And um, there's this really cool pottery place, which we stopped and looked at. And then we, there was this, it said private road, don't enter. No trespassing. <laughs> but when you're on bikes, you just ignore that. And so <laughs> we just kept going. <laughs> and so we just kept going and we got to this really cool cute house that had a hobbit house that was vast and overlooked and the the water and everything i guess gnome Beautiful. house gnomes and it has gnomes all over and and it said the jensen's so we know okay this is president jensen's so we went and we knocked on the door and sister jensen came and she literally could not speak. <laughs> it was she, she talked just, about she it the whole rest it. of our mission. Yeah. She's like, I was so shocked that we actually had missionaries and you're standing on my doorstep and you had come on bikes. That's <laughs> right. So So yeah, she really didn't fun. she didn't talk for about five minutes. It was <laughs> like we just okay, okay. we're here. <laughs> like a couple of angels just showed up at our door. <laughs> She didn't commented on that the whole rest of the time. <laughs> but but yeah, um so we got to know them. And I actually cannot remember meeting President Perez on San Juan. Yeah. <laughs> I think that one we probably just went to church and met him at church. Yeah. So anyway. So that's how we started out. We went to each one of the branches and said, okay, how can we help you? And they was like, they had like 23% activity. So they're like, okay, we don't know who these people are. We don't know if they live here. We, we have no idea of anything. So between the three islands, I think we had over 150 names oh, yeah. to find. So we just, 200 names that we just started going every week and trying to find. It was, um, it, it, when we were first there, we weren't even on tools yet. So we were told that the thing to do is be a member out of area. We still had to be on our in our stake. 
at home in order to make our monthly payment for our mission. It's noisy. And so we, uh, but they said you can be a member out of area. So we contact the the uh, state clerk and ask, you know, for us to be member out of area and so on. But it took three weeks, I think, before they could actually figure out how to get it done. And so we didn't even have tools. So you can see people. Yeah, we didn't even know who was. You know, we didn't know who anybody was in the branches. But and, they uh, did each give us a yeah. printout. So that was one of the reasons we went to the branch presidents. We could look up the branch presidents because of Meeting House Locator, right? <laughs> and uh, so we went to the branch presidents, and then they would give us a printed list that we could work from. And uh, and that had more information. They gave us lists with a little more information than is just available on tools, which was helpful. Tools being the church's app that contains member information, just in case this changes in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tools. Yeah, exactly. It used to be called LDS tools. Uh, that was just called tools. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, um, and a lot. Some of these people that we met, we ended up visiting every week for the next, almost every week for the next year. There were some of them that, you know, helping them come back and such. Other ones, um, I made tons and tons of cookies, and we had a sack, and we wrote on it, have a hat, great day, and, and our phone numbers. And so that really helped meeting all these people. And we'd go up, and sometimes they wouldn't be that, you know, friendly. And we're like, you want cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and it usually softened them, yes. <laughs> sweetened them right up. <laughs> we, would, we would have a pass-along card that we put in yeah. that had our names and phone numbers on it. It was on the outside, too. Of the yes, side. right. And I think out of all the cookies we... And if somebody wasn't home, we could just leave that, right? Out of all the cookies we left with a pass-along card and our phone number on it, I think Paul Arroyo was the only one who called us. <laughs> and we yeah. ended up visiting with Paul every week. And uh, he became a great friend. So, But he called us up. No one else had. <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, and, and then we started making flyers. Like when, uh, I don't remember the first one we did, but when General Conference would come along, we, we created a flyer that would tell about general conference and how to how to watch it and so on and inviting them to do that and we made it one for state conference we made one for the christmas broadcasts you know uh, the nativity video was wonderful that the church had so we made a flyer that, that showed different things they could watch related to christmas uh we made one about the book of mormon and uh the the promises from of reading the Book of Mormon from different prophets, inviting people to read the Book of Mormon. So that helped us to kind of have a reason to go back to people's houses and 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 if we didn't find them home, we'd we'd leave that and <clears throat> you know some of them like there was a man that uh, we kind of made the decision that we wouldn't just cold call people. Because it was too easy to just say, no, I'm not interested. If you are just call them on the phone. But if you show up on their doorstep, 
Um, they're more likely to talk to you. And if you have cookies, they're even more likely to talk Very to you. Very few people slam the door on them. Well, so few. <laughs> a, couple, but a couple refused There was them. a couple. <laughs> there was one lady. She refused us. But, and she passed away not too long after that. Yeah, but it was true. like so shocking. We're like, whoa. But... Um, but yeah, most of them, most of them, they might be kind of hard in the beginning, and then we could loosen them up. We laughed at a lot of doors. I have no idea how that happened, but we'd get to talking to people and laughing and having a good time. And uh, yeah, so my feeling is that Sister Hill. Maryland <laughs> is just so genuine with people and and has such a happy disposition anyways and it's cheery that they just can't help but <laughs> you know uh, feel good about it and uh, end up laughing so <laughs> we, we yeah we had some good conversations on doorsteps so yeah it all worked out the um, one fellow that we eventually probably around March time frame, we're like, you know, we still haven't found these people at home or we don't, we, we just, there's these people we don't have addresses for, just post office boxes or no address at all, but we do have a phone number. So we did decide to start calling the one, you know, people more because it's kind of like we're getting, we're going to run out of time here. So, um, I guess it's better to try to contact them some way and even if it's easy to say no, but, and we did get some good, we get, did get some good contacts with people by calling. And, uh, <clears throat> one of them, we'd been to his house, I don't know how many times, probably five times and six times and left something on the doorstep. One time we talked to his oh, funny. wife, I think. Yes. Anyways, <clears throat> and she said, well, he's, yeah, he, he's, a, he's here now and then he shows up, you know? <laughs> so we're like, well, he must live off island or something and just come here now and then. We don't know. Anyway, so we finally decide to call him. We call him on the phone and he says, oh, I'm down on my boat. <laughs> he says, I'm working on my boat. I spend a lot of time down here. Well, can we drop by? We've always wanted to see a boat, you know. We we'd love to see what it's like inside a boat. Sure, come on down and see us. He was the funnest guy. So we find, you know, we go down, find his boat, and and uh, he invites us in, takes we us down, down, shows everything he's shows doing. The boat. We get on this boat, and he's everything. getting ready to do it. It's a sail around the world <laughs> on this boat. Anyways, so we. Uh, <clears throat> And, and we give him some cookies, and I, you know, we, I say, you know, we've dropped, we've dropped these cookies by quite a bit. He says, "Oh yeah, I've enjoyed them." He said, "Yeah," <laughs> and I ate them all. Yeah. But he said, "You know, hun, if if you could cook mine just a little longer, I like them a little more crispy." <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> he was really fun. He kind of reminded me of. Um, oh, who's famous person that's like fifty? Oh. Mm, a famous person who's 50. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. He has twins. He's married to a lawyer. Um, Still doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> um, actor, singer. Actor. 
and he used to be he's he's more like sixties oh, now. George Clooney. George Clooney. <laughs> she commented, "He looks like George Clooney." <laughs> Looks like George Clooney. <laughs> Comes out of his form. I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe it was him. <laughs> yeah. So, it, but the, you know, to me, that was just an illustration. The cookies helped soften him up. You know, <laughs> I don't know if he would have been so open if he, we had left all those cookies on his doorstep. You know, and he finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I have been eating their cookies. So. <laughs> but yeah, we went back and visited him right before we left and such. And yeah, we might follow him on his year. His yeah, I've been meaning to text him and say we would like to track you while you're on your trip around the world because they can apparently do that with their GPS stuff and so on. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I've been so, meaning to do that. And we did teach a, a couple of. Non-members, um, self-referral was a self-referral, and he had worked in a, a TV station area in Montana, and the people had been members, and they had done a good job. He 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 knew a lot, and we became very good friends with Albert. In fact, we need to call him. Mm-hmm. But um, but he was older. He was in 78, but he was still taking care of a man that was in his 60s that had MS. And he had been married to two women that had MS because he met them because he went to, you know, the um, their meetings. And, you know, well, he was there with his first wife. And then I think he saw one lady after his wife had passed away and he just started helping her, and then he eventually married her, too. So, But she had passed away also. So he was a very, you know, he was 78, and he was still helping this man with MS. And we would go and visit him, and he knew so much about our religion, but also every religion. He just, you know, they all lead to Christ. They're all good. They're we couldn't convince him that one was, you know, should join one of them. But he would um, come to church when we were. Yeah, he'd at come the when branch. we came. So when we about came, every three weeks. When we went to church every three weeks, we'd have three people come <laughs> <Yes>. with us. <laughs> but they didn't go in between. <laughs> but um, but yeah, was he's he's a cool guy, really good guy. So, see. We had some people on Lopez that we, <clears throat> one time we were biking uh, in, in a light rain <laughs> on Lopez, and we were coming up around a corner. A guy was out and his, working on his fence in the field, and and uh, he waved at us, said hi, started friendly, talking and to started us. walking, and we stopped and said hi, and he, started, well, he walked over and just started talking to us, and so we... Uh, um, we invited him to one of the branch. Uh, well, we had a we had a special fireside and and Lopez for Christmas at the branch president's house, and so and he came and and yeah, he he came to church quite a bit. Hopefully, he comes again. He had kind of dropped off a little bit, but yeah. So there were about three people who were not members on Lopez that we. Had been kind of working uh, yeah, with and just, visiting yeah. with, and <clears throat> and then right before we 
the last Sunday, I think we were at Lopez, we were teaching, it was Mother's Day, we were teaching the Sunday school lesson and the talk and speaking in church. <laughs> we did, a lot of times on Lopez, we did the whole church. <laughs> Because the branch president would be gone, and so I had young, I had Sunday school, and he had the sacrament talk. And there'd be three to there'd be maybe five people there. <laughs> and uh, anyways, uh, <clears throat> we were almost done with Sunday school, and a fellow knocks on the door, and uh, he so, came in. He just came in. <clears throat> And he said, I feel like I've been led here. And he had tried to find another church. He'd been walking from a long ways. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said the other church wasn't there or something. And he had read that that there was a church at 11 o'clock at the Port Stanley School. So he just kept walking to our church. And he came in and sat down, and he was great. There's like, we're talking, there's six people in this branch, and then this man. And, um, yeah, uh, after, and he loved Dad's talk about Mother's Day, where I talked about mothers, but also how hard it is on some women on Mother's Day. Anyway, so he loved that. And so after everyone was talking to him and kind of excited, and um, I said, you know, one of the things we do is teach people that would like to know more about the gospel. Would you like to be taught? This was the last week we were to be on our mission. So it was actually we were not going back to Lopez but he said, yes, I would like to. And so we set it up on Tuesday at 2, <laughs> and we went back to Lopez. And it was, he was like a golden contact. He loved everything we said. We just started with, sometimes we just start with the, the articles of faith, because that just kind of gave you an outline. And he loved it all, loved it, loved it. And then we got done, and he said, you know, is there any way I could get one of those Book of Mormons? I'd like to read it. <laughs> We're like, we've got one. Oh, okay, I'll give it back. No, you can have it. <laughs> so, and then some other people in the branch had invited us over to dinner, so we took him with us over there. And, yeah, he was like you described once. They're golden. And um, evidently the teaching him that's awesome such so yeah that's really great um i wanted to bring up something you mentioned in your emails um and this was from just week five so you weren't out that long but you described uh this experience you said and this is you mom marilyn um writing this he said, last Monday I went to have my hair dyed. Terry came and sat in a salon for the first time in his life. <laughs> Another lady sat two chairs down. When both of our hairstylists left to let our hair dye sit for a while, the other lady came over to us. She said she and her husband had been a mission president and asked about our mission. In the conversation, Terry brought up that he was surprised how emotional a mission was. A tear came to his eye. She then responded with tears coming to her eyes. I think that is what happens on a mission. You look at people differently. 
I just wanted to have you expound on that idea. How, how did you start seeing people differently on your mission? I, I mean, I, <clears throat> I felt like we were blessed as missionaries to see people the way Christ sees them. I mean, to feel the love that Christ has for them. And so it really was, it really was quite emotional because you care so much about these people and many had really difficult things in their lives and they'd been through hard things and they were having, they were having a hard time. They had hard things to deal with now because of their lives. And you just really, you know, yearned for them to be able to, to be able to progress in a way that they could have all the blessings of the gospel and that the gospel brings into our lives. But you had, they had to do it in their time, you know. So, yeah, I think it was, I really think missionaries are blessed to just feel the love the Lord has for these people. And, and so that we, you know, have that, direction in trying to help them. So there was one man named, um, and he lived in an old trailer and had a dog, and his dog was who was a pit bull. But um, we went out to visit him, and he came out, and just, uh, I think he had a lot of mental problems. Um. And we went to, uh, we just started talking to him, and he would go on these rants about, you know, his dog that had died. And I mean, he just would say very weird, odd things and just scream and go back and forth and walk back and forth. And we were just in shock. We were like, whoa. And um, <clears throat> we got back in the car and we thought we'd never go back. But we just felt like there's something in his eyes. Like, this man, there's a good man in there. But all these things had happened to him. And so we left. We didn't know if we'd ever go back. And we felt like we needed to go back. And so we went back. And, and again, uh, he got off on a rant and just back and forth and, and, um, and we just kind of stand there and listen and take him cookies and, uh, took him banana bread because he said, um, I, he said his mom always made him banana bread. So I made him banana bread and, and he was just so grateful for that banana bread and things. And, but we were still kind of scared and we left, but we would just go back every month and, stand outside of his trailer and bring you home. And he came out, and by the third time, he calmed down a lot. And he didn't rant, and he didn't rave. He just talked to us, and, and he tried to give us things. And he was just so grateful for everything. And and um, and so, you know, we, we just kept going back. And um, sometimes he'd be more on the ranting side and we'd just stand there and listen. And, and, uh, but we went back almost every week, every month we'd go visit Dano. And, 
Um, we tried to get some things for him on his trailer so that it would be warmer because it was so cold because it wasn't ins insulated in the bottom and stuff. And he was so grateful for that. And um, so finally, at the very end, we took the branch president and we were like, okay, so this might be quite an experience, you know, but this is, we visit him and he's on the record. He is a member. And uh, so um, we yelled, Dano, we're here. And he came out and um, we introduced the branch president to him and talked to him. And Dano said, you two always listened. That's all we ever did was listen. We didn't know what to say, but he said, you always listen to me. Thank you for listening to me. And um, as we drove away, the branch president said, there's a good man in there. It was so interesting. It was the same thing we had felt, but he has so many mental problems. And I don't know that anybody can really do anything for him in this life, but at least he felt a little loved. So, so those are the, some of the things that we just felt like we could see him more like Christ would. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And we may be able to do another podcast in the future where we touch back on it. Um, so we just want to hear your testimonies to close. Okay. Do you want to be first or Okay, so this mission has, uh, it It was such a growing experience in so many different ways. There's, you know, you get to worrying about things and, and you just realize that you can't do it, that only Christ can do it. There was no way we could change these people's lives or convince them or it was totally up to the Holy Ghost and Christ. You could see him in their lives and how many things happened to them to help them come back, to try to get them to come back to um, the church and, and back with the members. And I just... And sometimes I, I would, you know, it would be kind of hard because we were with so many people with so many problems. And I did, I did start doing the Come Follow Me podcast a lot because those were such a comfort to me. And I was, it was just, I just hung on to them. They were my, my steadiness. And I'm just so grateful to the gospel. Sometimes I just want to scream, don't miss out. This is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And, and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to maybe just make just a little, little difference in someone's lives or, or get them thinking about the gospel again. So grateful for it. And I love Christ. I love the apostles and the prophet and how much they help us all the time. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, 
a mission was, I mean, it's a great growing experience. Um, I, I, one of the comments I made when we were asked to speak before we in the branches before we were fin when we were finishing our mission was that, and, and when I left, I made the comment that I, it felt like we were sacrificing a lot, you know, everything almost to go on a mission. We were sacrificing our, you know, our, 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 our family and loved ones that mean everything to us for a time, right? Uh, sacrificing our home and our comforts and our means and, um, <clears throat> It seemed like a lot that we were sacrificing, but I recognize that you, we love what we sacrifice for. Um, and then when I thought about that as we were preparing to come back, I, I felt like I had, we had lived closer to the law of consecration than we had ever done. And, uh, and that that you know and and that was a a great blessing to us to have that experience and to just be able to consecrate our time and i I'd heard a talk where they kind of he, the the speaker in conference talked about the difference between sacrifice and consecration it was something like sacrifice is giving up something consecration is giving to something. And and I thought that was, and that really kind of struck home to me that, you know, now having served the mission, you felt the purpose for your sacrifice was what you were, you know, giving to and and giving to the Lord to accomplish his work and his purposes. And so that was a blessing. But I'd have to, but I have to say it was, it was a great, I mean, it was, it was a big stretch for us. It was, uh, it was very challenging to every day try to figure out what what we should be doing and what would be most helpful and beneficial to do. And to face the, I mean, it was hard to have people that were pretty bitter and and would just didn't even want to speak to you. You know, they'd just wave you away. And it was... Um, and and part of that, I think what was hardest about that was not because we were old enough that I don't think we were as affected by just the rejection, but it's the helplessness of not being able, these people not even being open to being helped. If we could have just convinced them somehow that we would just, we would just love them and respect them and listen to them and care for them. But people would wouldn't even open up to that, and and that was just hard. It was it was sad to see the all the various places people were at in terms of their relationship with God and with the church and so on. Um, I kind of expected, I guess naively, <laughs> that. I would get a lot more inspiration about what to do. And I, I, I have to admit, it was a lot of just uh, pushing through, 
and doing what we could figure out, what we could think of doing, and and I I thought I'd have it'd be more clear. <laughs> It'd be obvious. Oh, I need to go do this or whatever. But and, but no, it was a lot of just pushing through. <laughs> um, and I kind of puzzled about that. Just, um, the the stake president and his wife spoke at a mission. No, his own conference, and. Uh, our, our, the stake president for our stake that we served in. And his wife gave a wonderful talk called Mountaintop Experiences, in which she said that she had had in her life, there were a couple of what she calls mountaintop experiences. One reason, because for her, they both happened on the top of a mountain. <laughs> but they were these just moments when she she just had this overwhelming feeling of the Lord's love and the truth of the gospel and so on. The later one, one was quite a long time ago in her, uh, as a young woman, and then not that long ago with her daughter on a mountaintop, she had a similar experience. And she said, we need to, we need to hang on to those mountaintop experiences to carry us through all the rest of the time. And it really struck home to me because as I think it must have been a freshman because I pretty I remember it as being in the dormitories at BYU. I'd had it I had a Doctrine and Covenants class and I must have been Doctrine and Covenants section eighty-eight. I, I think eighty eight, I'm not sure, but where it describes the last days and the second coming and so on. And one and the way it describes it is as a, as a scroll being unrolled and the face of the Lord would appear. And in the middle of the night, I had just this, just this experience where in my a dream or whatever, I just saw that in my mind. The, the face of the Lord as a, as a scroll unrolled. And I can remember seeing a, like a silhouette of a, of a, of a mountainside uh, or a, a, a declining a, a road going down. And it, and I, and it was a silhouette of um, Mary on a donkey and Joseph leading it. And and that I, I and it was just I still remember that that was a mountaintop experience for me. It was just so I just you just felt the love of the Lord. And a couple of months before the end of our mission, um, I had a similar experience. It was in the middle of the night, and there I had a lot of questions, a lot of questions, and I was awake, and I just. I was thinking about all these things and I just had this overwhelming feeling of love from the Lord. And kind of like, you know, people describe it sometimes as just feeling like he's embracing you, you know? And I remember thinking, I have all these questions and I wanted to think about those questions. And then I just thought, 
No. I'm just going to enjoy this feeling. I'm just going to appreciate it. I'm just going to embrace it. And I, I really feel like it was probably an hour and a half. I just laid there and just felt this overwhelming feeling of the Lord's love. And uh, to me, it was, yes, lots of times we just have to push through. But we need to embrace those mountaintop experiences that just confirm the reality of the work and the Lord and his love for us and the truth of the gospel. And and so I just bear my witness that, that that's true. And it's true. And, and yeah, we have lots of questions and we don't get answers for them all the time. And we don't get the inspiration all the time that tells us what to do, but we just push through and do it. Um, because it is true, and it's the Lord's work. And I just bear my testimony of that, my witness of it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate um, you sharing your experiences and for your example. And um, just so grateful for that. Thank you.